Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The New York Times the other day published um, their coverage. This would have been Sunday, October 8th. And front page, top of the fold headline, Israel warns of long war as it fights militants. As it fights militants. This is a conscious decision. People who work in media are wordsmiths. I make this comment and joke all the time. I'm a wordsmith, right? That, that's, that's what you do. Picking one word over another in a certain circumstance. I mean, what does media do but label people all the time? That's what media does. From uh, the television, you know, the chyron on the bottom of the screen, it says witness, neighbor, mom. Actually, no, they wouldn't do that. Um, They try to figure out a label for the person. This is what media does. So the idea that the word militant is not specifically chosen for a reason is absurd. It is. There's a guy named David Zweig. He writes at silentlunch.net. I have no idea why, but I mean, I don't know why. I, I know why he writes, or I can guess, but I don't know why it's called silent lunch, but whatever. He says, before we get to the specific words, some backstory. Words in news stories on inflammatory or complex topics are chosen very purposefully. News organizations have style guides that dictate such things as, for example, the use of the word black, as in black person. That's with a capital B. Remember, they changed this. This was like, okay, sorry about all the oppression, but we'll capitalize the word black. And now it's like, it's going to make up for it. See, like we're not capitalizing white. We're, we're lower than you are. You get a capital B. It's absurd. It's not a consistent standard. It's social justice warriors running amok. It's progressive leftists running amok in the newsrooms. The use of the word militant to describe Hamas is no doubt the result of a formal editorial decision-making process. It is not arbitrary. The editors know that word choice will be important in how the news story is framed for the readers. That's key to remember. By choosing the word militant instead of terrorist, the New York Times is not alone, with like the exception of Fox News, Virtually every other establishment legacy media outlet in America, from the AP, the Washington Post, NBC, CBS, ABC, PBS, all these other outlets, they're using the word militants. Sometimes they throw in on second reference, as we say in the biz, second reference, fighters or gunmen, but they never use the word terrorist. I'm fine if you use the word terrorist and any of those other words. See, that's one of the things, like when you... It's a great the example I use all the time. It's it, it it provides great clarity on this, which is whenever you hear a story about a fire, apartment fire, business fire, house fire, whatever kind of fire, and it's in the news. So you're going to hear the first reference is going to be 
Fire. Massive fire at this apartment building. And then you talk about how uh, the fire department responded, however many people are affected. But when you say the word again, which would be the second reference, you don't say fire again. You find another word to say. And so what's always the word that they use? Conflagration. No, I'm kidding. They never use that word. They always use blaze. It's always the blaze started at whatever time. A fire broke out at an apartment complex in South Charlotte, period. The blaze began at 3 a.m. Seven fire trucks you know, were called to the scene. Second reference. So I'm fine using different words along the way, but when you never use the word terrorist, that is a conscious decision. You're using militant, fighter, gunman, attacker even, but you never use the word terrorist. But that is the correct word. I'll explain in a minute. Let me get Betty on here if she's still waiting. Hello, Betty. Welcome to the program. Yep, she's not. All right, she's gone. So we have a line open again. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, NPR was so committed to not using the word terrorist that it went in and out of a quote. In and out of a quote. So here's what the guy originally said. This was uh, Israeli Defense Forces spokesperson Jonathan Conricus, 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 or whatever. Um, And he says, quote, our troops are still fighting and hunting down the last terrorists that are still inside Israeli territory. We assess that there were approximately a thousand terrorists who participated in yesterday's invasion of Israel. About a thousand bloodthirsty Palestinians who went house to house, building to building in search for Israeli civilians. End quote. That's what he said. As a journalist, you write what he said. You're quoting what he said. But NPR, maybe not a journalist, NPR changes the quote. They change the quote to say, our troops are still fighting and hunting down, quote, end quote. And then they add this part themselves. Remaining Hamas militants, Israeli Defense Forces spokesman, or spokesperson, because it's NPR, Jonathan Kornikus, or Conricus, um, said, comma, out of some 1,000 militants who, quote, went house to house, building to building, in search for Israeli civilians. So they cut out militants, or they cut out uh, terrorists, they cut out the word twice in their coverage. Cut out the word twice. And cut out, the quote where he says about a thousand bloodthirsty Palestinians who went house to house, they just cut that first part of the sentence out. Now, maybe uh, they view his use of the word terrorist and his use of the word bloodthirsty also as inflammatory and inappropriate. But here's the thing. That's his language. That's what he said. That's his quote. You don't get to clean that up for him because you're afraid that your, your snowflake audience can't hear it. How dare you say those words? Why would you let him on the air to spread that? That's what he said. Like, you're, you're demanding to be kept in the dark. You're, you want to be treated like a mushroom? Kept in the dark and fed crap. That's what you want from your media source? Uh... It is telling also that NPR not only used the word terrorist itself, but chose not to allow its audience to hear the actual language spoken by a government official and then make their own decisions about it. 
precisely. This is what he said. And you can make of it whatever you want. I'm just telling you what he said. But some, for some reason, NPR doesn't think that their audience can handle it. So, first let me go to a book. I've had this book since 2001. Oh no, I just pulled one of my bookmarks out. Dang it. Um, it is heavily bookmarked, heavily uh, highlighted. And it's called The Lessons of Terror. A History of Warfare Against Civilians, Why It Has Always Failed, and Why It Will Fail Again. And it's by a guy named Caleb Carr. And Caleb Carr is kind of an interesting guy. He does not do interviews. He's a, his parents were beatniks. And they're kind of like really upset with him because he went off and studied military history. He's a military historian. And for some, you know, pacifist beatniks, that was a, that was an outrage to them in military history. He says, or or based on his experience and his knowledge of military history, he says, it'll be proposed that what has to date been viewed and treated as a uniquely modern problem is in fact, the current stage though, in a violent evolution whose origins extend as far back as does human conflict itself. Terrorism is simply the contemporary name given to and the modern permutation of warfare deliberately waged against civilians with the purpose of destroying their will to support either leaders or policies that the agents of such violence find objectionable. Right? They attack the civilian population in order to get them to give up their support of the policies or leaders that the attackers don't like. It's extortion, right? That's always been, and this has been going on forever. Forever. That's what terrorism is. The targeting of civilians. They want them out of the land. They want them off the land. They want them out of Israel. That's it. Change your policies or die. Go somewhere else. Oh, and by the way, when we take over all this land and we can have this whole area to ourselves, then we're going to build up an army and we're going to go hunt you down in other parts of the world. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how successful that would be, first of all, and I, you know, but because the world's a pretty big place. And there are some terrorist activist scholars types who say, no, it's actually a good thing to get all the Jews in one place. It's a, it'll be easier to kill them all. That's, that's another line of thinking. Right, so there's some disagreement about the tactics among the terrorists. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country, There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk.
Let's get over to the phones and get Daniel on the program. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thank you so much. Thank yes, you. Um, I've had the pleasure of being in your beautiful city for the past week. I just wish we had your uh, insight uh, where we live. But you, young man, you made one statement that is so spot on when you said NPR didn't have the stomach to hear the word terrorist. I I heard them use this word, and they said the conflict, mm. the conflict that's going on. And, you know, I'm much older than you, not wiser, but older. But right now, we have a commander-in-chief that would wet his pants to be so scared. Joe Biden, they should call him, I run from Iran. He is so scared of Iran. He's, it, it's unbelievable that we have children. I just saw pictures of a, a, a 12-month-old baby beautiful in a crib and his four-year-old brother that were slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And we have in this country today at Harvard University and universities throughout the country, pencil neck, weak-kneed college kids that have spoiled that are protesting and supporting the Palestinians. And I would just like to ask people to stop and think for a moment. What kind of human, I'll tell you what kind of human, straight from the pit of hell that would decapitate a baby that's far worse than what went on under the Third Reich. Well, it, I saw this comparison yesterday that they're uh, in Germany when the Nazis were exterminating the Jews and then when they got overrun by the Allied forces, they tried to cover their tracks. They tried to hide the evidence. Hamas isn't doing that. They're, they're, there's zero embarrassment or shame or any kind of a conscience that would tell them this is wrong. There isn't anything like that among these people. They've been, they've been steeped in it. Their whole lives. Well, I'll say this. I know you have to go, but we have to stop and ponder just a moment. There's good and there's evil. Evil's generated from one place, Satan, the pit of hell. And these people are definitely, I mean, that's the only way you can describe them. It was evil. Absolutely. What the reports are that they did is evil. They they enacted evil. They exacted evil on innocent people. And um, I'm now seeing pushback and it, coming from various places. There is a there is a, a denialism in place. There are people that are standing in support of. They say Palestine and Palestinians, but they were making their comments denying that these atrocities occurred. Because they didn't have videographic evidence, they don't have DNA yet, they reject eyewitness accounts, they reject any kind of information that comes from the Israeli Defense Forces or the Israeli government, they say you can't trust that. So what they do is they, they, they erect these, uh, these boundaries around their knowledge, so this way they can reject all things that don't automatically align with 
their ideas. And when you hear just the shocking nature of the brutality, I understand the desire to look away. I feel it too, but you can't. We can't. You have to see this because otherwise you would not believe it because good people don't want to believe this. Nobody would want to believe this except evil. I don't know how you can deny I saw today a picture of a crib where a baby boy had laid Mm -hmm. two years old and it was filled with blood. I guess that was staged. That will be their next. Yep. That'll be their next argument. Yep. But, but but here's what it is when 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 the truth is brought into the light, and the light shines on it, then they have they have no darkness. Their darkness, it's it's been lit up. And if if we as I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, I'm talking about basic human love and respect when people will not i mean that alone should 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 cause people to say we may need a new commander in chief and until we have somebody like a Winston Churchill or a Ronald Reagan where there's strength through peace you know in so right now i i can't believe Where's the outcry, the celebrities, the NBA players, the NFL players, the, all the celebrities? Where's the outcry about children? I don't care if you're, I don't care if you're a Palestinian child, a Russian child, a Chinese child, an American child. I don't care what your parents are, but to slaughter them and kid, kill them and decapitate them. That's where the argument should just, it was to be crystal clear that this is evil and it needs to be annihilated and we are on the march to Armageddon. Uh, Daniel, I appreciate the call. I got to run. I'm way late for news, but I do appreciate your call and uh, hope you have a good time here in Charlotte while you're here. Ikifu says, some people just cannot see evil. Got a message from Kathy asking about the book that I mentioned. It's called The Lessons of Terror, A History of Warfare Against Civilians why it has always failed, and why it will fail again. And the author is Caleb Carr, C-A-L-E-B-C-A-R-R, Caleb Carr. And I want to say it it came out, well, I have the first edition in 2002, but I think it got updated because there were some, um, there were some corrections that were put into the, it's like a little card that they, they glue to the front, the inside jacket of corrections, misspellings, basically. Um, But he goes over the definition of what terrorism is. And that definition tracks very closely, if not verbatim, to how the, how governments and our, our, you know, justice department defines it as well. The FBI defines international terrorism as quote, violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups who are inspired by or associated with designated foreign terrorist organizations or nations. So state-sponsored terrorism. Iran. Um, uh, Iran is already, as is Hamas, they're already called terrorists. They're designated foreign terrorist organizations or nations. Hamas is. Hezbollah is. Calling them terrorists is accurate to the letter of the definition 
that our government uses. Also, look at the criminal code. Acts of terror to intimidate or coerce a civilian population, to influence the policy of a government by intimidation or coercion, to affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. Earlier, I talked about the New York Times. I talked about NPR. Also, the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Channel. I guess it's CBC. Is it channel or company? I mean, it's government, so it can't be company. Anyway, they have a director of journalistic standards, and they sent out an email that has been authenticated for all of you people that deny all the atrocities. I'm not really sure it was all 40 of the babies that were beheaded. I mean, you really can't trust it. I mean... Maybe one or two. It's totally different. Here's, here's what they told their, their staff. Quote, do not refer to militants, soldiers, or anyone else as terrorists. The notion of terrorism remains heavily politicized and is part of the story. No, it, it, yeah, well, yes, it is part of the story because that's what they were doing. That was the purpose. I mean, what, what's a militant? It's, a, it's what, a, a soldier that's not part of any officially recognized army? We have rules of, uh, of war for reasons, right? And when your enemy abandons the rules, and th- we saw this 20 years ago, Afghanistan, Iraq, they're not wearing uniforms, right? They're targeting civilians. They're violating Geneva Convention. So what, right? I guess so what? Oh, well, I don't advocate U.S. intervention in the, in the war in Israel right now. I'm not advocating that. What I am saying, though, is that I'm not interested in telling Israel how it should go about punching back. Really, like, after what, after what they just, I mean, could you imagine, you do the population analogy here. I think the number is somewhere around 30, 35,000 Americans would, would have died in a similar-sized operation here, right? The, if you look at the proportionality of Israel, I think they've got 7 million people, I want to say. We've got like five times as many. So if you just kind of just multiply by five. So imagine you end up with that kind of carnage in America. Do you think we're going to care what anybody has to say about how we respond? I don't. Like the U.S. government, the Canadian government also includes Hamas on its official list of terrorist organizations. Hamas targeted civilians. That is terrorism. So a terrorist organization engaged in terrorist behavior, but NPR and the New York Times and Washington Post... You know, all of the legacy outlets and such and the Canadian broadcast channel, like none of them want to call it terrorism, even though it is literally the definition. How far will Biden let Israel go in Gaza? Politico has a story with that headline. And after yesterday's speech that I said Biden did a good job, he said what he had to say, although I was a little uh, worried that he wasn't going to actually say the things he needed to say. But then he did. And then I started kind of contemplating, like, hmm, kind of disturbing to me that I was in doubt that he would say the things 
I was hoping he would say what he needed to say. And he did, so I give him credit for doing so. But, but then we're starting to hear proportionate response again. Proportionate response. Okay. Once again, proportionate response. Hamas, in their charter, calls for the elimination of all Jews and Israel. A proportionate response to Hamas would be... Exactly. Oh, is that not what you meant? Sorry. Not sorry. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? NATO Stoltenberg, quote, we expect Israel's response to Hamas attack to be proportionate. What are we even doing here? Yeah, I don't. Um, Politico, quote, we support Israel taking necessary and proportionate action to defend its country and protect its people, says National Security Council spokesperson Adrian Watson. So it's, it's beginning, right? Yesterday they come out and they're like, we stand with Israel. We're going to back you guys, do what you got to do. And now today, actually, it was Joe Biden, so it was like, (laughs) and now today, it's, we support necessary and proportionate action. Again, proportionate action, if you want to use this term and you're going to hold this term up as some sort of goal, then I'm going to go with what Hamas calls for as their intention. And they call for the complete eradication of Israel and all Jews. And so if it's a proportionate action you want, then I guess Israel is clear to, to do that to them, right? Robert, welcome to the program. Hello, Robert. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm all right. What's up? Yeah, uh, in regards to proportionate response, not so much with Israel and Hamas, but concerning the United States, we have 22 Americans dead over there now and 17 or more missing. Does anybody remember Grenada? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was young. I don't remember it, but I, I know of it, yes. I mean, well, we, we did all the things we should have done, but we, we won't do nothing now. Right, well, it, it, pre- yeah, I mean, this is, this is why a lot of people around the world, uh, these bad actors, uh, they test and they test, and when they see weakness, they strike. That's right. And I guess President Stumble Mumble doesn't have what it takes to get it done. The perception is that he is weak for whatever reasons. That's the perception, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to influence anybody here, but apparently some folks think he's weak. don't want anybody weak. to think bad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, apparently some... Anyway, I just want to remind people, Grenada happened, and we didn't, you know, we went down there and did all that for students, you know, yeah. you know a college. But we're not doing it now. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, I mean, they, they were, our administration told people, Americans that were in Israel, they told them to go book your own flights commercial. 
well, maybe they can get on the same flight out of there as they did in Afghanistan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Robert, I appreciate yeah. the call, sir. Thank you. All right. Yes. Yes, sir. All right, let me go over and get uh, Mark on the program. Hello, Mark. Hey, Pete. Hey. I uh, thank you for giving me the rejoinder on um, on Donna's uh, claims. I happen to have some academic books. Um, I'm just going to give briefly the titles, but the theological background is a is something called dispensationalism that was dumbed down and popularized by Hal Lindsey with his two books at the end of the 1960s and into the early 70s. But that, but more recently, Selling Fear, end time, Conspiracy Theories and End Times Paranoia by Gregory S. Camp from Baker Books and Bruce Barron, Have It on Earth, The Social and Political Agendas of Dominion Theology. We're talking about things that have been going on theologically in the talk of seminaries for the past 60 years when they were first put into... Um, put into print, and dispensationalism has been around for 200. And then, of course, a Bethany House little one called The Love of Power or The Power of Love. And I go, these people are nuts, and I'm going way out on a limb um, about their dominionism, and it's rightly stated in uh, public things by public settings by Charlie Cook, calls it by its um, correct name, Dominion, Dominion, uh, Dominionist thinking, and that's really at, uh, that's really at the root of it. All right, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb also and say that Donna's probably not going to, uh, to read those. I think her main point was to bash Trump and uh, QAnon Republicans. Um, no, they're not. They're independent. I would classify them as um they're nuts i agree and i'm going on the limb to state that uh but i uh, don't think so okay but i go i said i have to agree with you but yet i'll send you the um bibliographic information on uh okay. these three books for your uh, reference later okay all right i appreciate it thank you mark uh thanks for the call yeah i just i get the sense that donna was not really interested in anything about what she was in anything other than what she was talking about. I got the sense that uh, she was shocked at how crazy these conservatives were because she didn't want to get the shot, but she's of the left. And then she talks to these conservatives because they're the only ones that are with her on the shots. And then they start giving her all this stuff about QAnon and she's like, Oh my gosh, you're crazy. And so she thinks that that's widespread throughout all of the, the Republican circles and in elected offices and all this other stuff. And like I said, it's uh, yeah, you're, you're about six years too late on that. Um, QAnon's kind of that, that grift has burned out in my view, but Hey, you know what? Maybe they set up a QAnon caucus in the house. Like they've got the Hamas caucus. It's possible. It's possible. Sorry. Sorry. The squad. 